I think something that people often, the, the mistake that a lot of companies do when they want to start uh, hiring early days is like, we need the perfect candidate. No, you don't. And, and if there's a perfect candidate, you probably won't be able to track them because why, if they're perfect, that's what they do. Why would they join three guys in a basement? Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Nico, co-founder at Platypus. Platypus empowers HR to uncover your organization's true culture. It's the HR tech solution that helps you measure what people value at every stage of the talent lifecycle, from attraction to management to retention. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Uh, today, we're talking to Nicholas from platypus.io. Um, thank you very much for joining us on the show today, Nicholas. Uh, please give us a, an introduction to yourself and what you guys are doing over at Platypus. Cool. Thank you for having me. Uh, Nico, French, um, because otherwise you're going to figure it out with the accent within about 30 seconds. Uh, based in Copenhagen for the past eight years, started Platypus 18 months ago. Uh, Platypus is an HR SaaS software talent lifecycle solution, um, basically impacting every aspect of the talent lifecycle, being recruitment, retention or management via people values so the culture of the organization yeah awesome um so tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea for platypus you know where where, where was it born the idea of platypus uh, so first of all it's not only my child i have a co-founder and uh, i should mention dan because you know it's uh, I, I don't like this whole story of like the, the superhuman uh, founder you know it's <laughs> always more than one person mm-hmm. uh, whether people want to admit or not um, but the idea came on the 29th of Jan, uh, and it's a mix of uh, 15 years of you know, recruitment, HR, building companies like Trustpilot, Revolut, uh, Unity, um, playing a lot of football manager for anyone that uh, knows that uh, video game that's very <laughs> data-driven video game. And then I was just coming out of a knee surgery, so morphine. So a cocktail of uh, morphine, football manager, and, and professional experience. And the epiphany moment of like, wow, I have a great idea. I have a, uh, something that I thought was a great idea. And then uh, talked about it with my co-founder the day after. And he said, like, it's actually not completely uh, stupid. So uh, let's look more into it. Yeah, awesome. Um, so that happened around, what, did you say January? Uh, 29th of January, yeah, 2 a.m. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And that- <laughs> I, st- I still have the Google Doc where I, like, my wife told me it's 2 a.m., get out. And then uh, I, I still have the Google Doc with the first idea, the first draft. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. Uh, and was that this year? Last year. Last year. Okay, awesome. So, yeah. so since then, have you guys gone through any, any rounds of funding? Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, 29 of Jan is the, the, the idea, mm-hmm. the, the, the first idea. 27 of Feb, so like uh, about uh, four weeks after we, uh, we legally started the business, mm-hmm. right? So the birth day of, uh, of Platypus is 27 of Feb. Um, and then we closed our first round of funding in July um, wow. uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh four months after yeah. uh, starting the, the business uh, we closed three hundred and fifty-five thousand euros mm-hmm. uh a mix of business angels and some uh, 
some uh, like uh, Speed Invest, uh, Precede Venture, um, and uh, Nordic Web, wow. plus uh, David Elgerson, the founder of Unity, mm -hmm. um, who was kind enough to uh, believe in what we were doing. That allowed us to uh, um, uh, get out of my basement. We stayed in my basement for four months, uh, like the three co-founders and, uh, and uh, the first, uh, I want to say employee, but uh, she was not getting paid. So I mean, I don't know <laughs> what's the technical term, uh, but yes. Um, and then, uh, then we did a second round. We closed our second round of funding in uh, March this year, where we closed 2.3 million euros. Wow, congratulations. Yes, thank you. That was uh, quite the journey. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I imagine it was a complete roller coaster between January last year and and closing that second round of investment. Yeah, awesome. So, so you mentioned you know you started off with with a co-founder, um, of course, yeah. guys together, and probably you know did a lot of the roles or, or activities that were required to get this thing up and running up on the ground and uh, you know turn start turning it into a real thing but what did that um, initial team look like you know when you did start hiring you mentioned you, you know someone was working with you yeah paid. That so like? <clears throat> if you look at um, the, the background of the two co-founders uh, we were three at the start co-founders one of us uh, uh, left the organization because we couldn't really uh, agree on the on the strategic uh, uh, movement for for the for the you know the future of the organization this happens a lot um, but um, the the kickstart the three co-founders we had one tech and two uh, more on the product side right Dan and myself we're like more subject matter expert when it comes to recruitment and HR obviously we don't know how to code so we needed somebody to uh, help and, and you know build the prototype the first person we hired was a, a UI UX designer so when when you start hiring or when you when you you know want to build a team at the start you're very much looking for the t-shaped employee but like very large on the t somebody that's very good at many many things and an expert at one thing but they're completely open with you know what I don't know how to really do like front end but I'll do a little bit of front end because I mean shit needs to happen yeah. as simple as this so that was uh, um, <clears throat> I think I think something that people Often the, the mistake that a lot of companies do when they want to start uh, hiring early days is like, we need the perfect candidate. No, you don't. And, and if there's a perfect candidate, you probably won't be able to track them because why, if they're perfect, that's what they do. Why would they join three guys in a basement? Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so uh, no, no, but like, I, th I think, I think you, people like very often they're like, oh yeah, but we're building the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can ask 10 people that start a business. Everyone is building the future. Everyone has an amazing idea. So it's really like, realize what you can attract and, and be super flexible. I think what we wanted is, uh, uh, and, and we, you know, we have a background in recruitment, so that helps a lot, obviously, but uh, they're like, one must have and three nice to have, mm -hmm. right? And be flexible. The one must have, that's the must have. The rest, let's be flexible. But when I see stuff, you know, like, uh, yeah, we just started, there's two of us and we need somebody that has five years experience in this, plus speaking this language, this language and this and that, and some marketing, you're like, yeah, you'll never find anyone. Yeah. So you, you need to be flexible. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I love that approach. Actually, I agree uh, totally with that. Um, so so now uh, moving forward, uh, jumping forward into the you know the present. What does the the team structure look like now over at Platypus? So now after eighteen months, we are eighteen people. Uh, wow. So we grew uh, yeah quite a bit. Um, uh, we obviously hired a lot on the tech and product side. Um, so what the way the way we we organize ourselves at the moment is basically three core. Uh, department whatever you want the name or like team um, so we have like the tech team obviously engineering uh, with a CTO <coughs> Luisa uh, who uh, is managing uh, uh, one backend and then four uh, frontends right that's the tech team so six people 30% of the organization mm -hmm. then on the product side of team we have a product owner Neva who's managing a data scientist uh, um, a methodology person because we're building a whole methodology on gathering uh, building cultural map and everything it's something that's new 
And then we have a, a designer, product designer, um, a UI, UX uh, person, and then a student worker on the design. Like kind of, not an intern, but like, you know, that works part-time. Yeah. So that's six team again, that's on the, on the product side, pure product side. And then ops, we call it ops, which is basically everything that's not product and tech. <laughs> so it goes from uh, uh, sales, uh, lead gen. Um, so we have two people doing lead gen. We have one person that's doing like a, kind of like SDR, taking the lead and then maturating the lead into a, um, uh, a proper, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, demo. And then I do the demo and my co-founder is doing the onboarding. Um, and that's where we are today. And that's that uh, last team is, I think, five or six people as well. Um, so currently it's tech, product, and, and sales. Um, we don't think we're going to hire a lot. I think we're probably going to hire like maybe three, four people before the, the next round of funding. And we target doing this by the end of next year. Yeah, incredible. It's, it's super interesting to see how you guys are, are sort of approaching um, the development of the product or the, the whole product offering, um, you know, from that every single holistic point of view. That's the super, super interesting way of, um, of developing it out. I like that. So it's sort of like tech, product, and then everything else that needs to everything get done. Everything else. So, yeah. <laughs> Our job is to make their job easy. Yeah. They're, they're building the stuff. So like they have an idea about the stuff. Dan and I, we had the idea at the start, but very quickly, we don't want this to become like Dan and Nico's product. Mm -hmm. it, it, somebody needs, somebody that's not, that's not us without our bias of what the product should be like needs to come and take it. And that's Neva, right? She uses us as subject matter experts yeah. from an HR point of view, from a recruit point of view, what would I like to see? Right. But, uh, but she has like complete carte blanche on like, uh, how is the methodology uh, happening? What is it looking like with Victor? I was product designer and everything. It, I think it's super important to, uh, to realize that if you don't want to build your product, you need at some point to let go. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and it's not easy. It's super, super difficult because yeah. it's your baby, of course, and it comes from your brain, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I, for us, it's working super well. The, the way the product has been developing, um, both on the product side and on the tech side, um, if I would have been micromanaging everyone, we would never been that far mm -hmm. and that fast. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at the design and the, the UX and everything of, of, you know, across the, the whole digital footprint that you guys have. Um, it's all very nicely put together. It looks great. It feels yeah. great. The, so that's the UX is really good. like, I've been kicked out of this. Yeah. So we have, <laughs> we, have the, the, <laughs> we have the, as I told you, like the three big departments yeah. and then we work in guilds. So we have a, like a methodology guilds that works um, uh, with like some people from the different departments. That's all around like, uh, what's the methodology? How many families, how many values? How do we ask the questions? What should we turn around the content and everything? And then there's a visual um, uh, guild around like, uh, uh, you know, uh, what color do we choose? Where, mm -hmm. where is it going? How is the website looking? The content on the website and everything. This team, the visual guilds, uh, I'm kicked out of because apparently I have shit days when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, uh, colors and everything. But my co-founder, Danny, is a little bit more picky on all this whole thing. So for me, it's, I'm like, when they show stuff, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I'm, 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 actually part of the methodology one because I'm, I'm more keen on the like, what do we ask? How do we ask? And, and what data we gather? I think what we're very good at uh, is just understanding what you're not good at and where you should. Mm. There's no point focusing on stuff that it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of people's time. Right? Yeah. Like, let's just focus on what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's, that's incredible that you, you understand this and you know, it's, uh, it's something that uh, it's so important. Right. And, and so many people are scared of actually admitting to it, which is uh, where really a failure can kick in. But a burning question that I have is about the team building. So you guys grew, very quickly within quite a short yeah. period of time lots of hiring right strategic hiring now because culture it 
is your specialism. So how would you, um, what's the recipe for success for building a culture, good culture very, very quickly? Is there any sort of golden nuggets of advice that we can distill? Super hard question. I know. Uh, <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think like there's actually lots of points around this. Like number one, um, uh, I strongly believe that you don't decide your culture. Uh, you you get people, uh, and and then like the mass of the people, the aggregation of the people, values and everything that's going to build the culture of your company, right? So you can't really decide like, hey, I want us to have this culture. You can decide like a mission statement. Mm -hmm. You know, we stand for this, like integrity, respect, the fluffy words, whatever. But like this is important to us. Code of conduct, right? Um, um, I think what we've done again, like uh, us successfully, is uh, Dan and I have been doing this for a long time. Uh, we, we are obviously uh, experienced at, uh, at hiring, at recruiting, at asking questions, at uh, assessing. The hard part here is the personal bias, but I think we're aware of our personal bias. So what we've done a lot is like uh, one of us is having a first discussion with the candidates, then a second discussion with the other one. Then we try to assess like, did I see this? Did you see this? Is it because of my personal bias and your personal bias and everything? And then systematically we'll try to ask a third person that's completely different than Dan and I. And I mean, so to say, like, uh, not uh, uh, white men in their 40s uh, with their uh, own bias of what they see. So, like, a third person with not, you know, everyone has personal bias, but a different point of view on personal bias to bring in and have a discussion. And then we assess, okay. But for us, the most important thing right now, um, because the only way to build a very inclusive and diverse culture is actually not to try to hire for culture at the start. You want people that are different than you because they're going to bring something different than your way of thinking, right? So for us, the most important thing is like, can the person do the job, you know, the very T-shaped and polling and the job and lots of jobs, can I see myself working with this person? Mm -hmm. So that's why the, 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 the recruitment process we do is a lot axed around um, uh, how do you work? How do you communicate? What, what's the best way for you? What's the best situation for you to perform the best? Mm -hmm. Right? And, and then assess, can we offer that type of environment that you're thriving on? Because what we want is for people to thrive on. So um, uh, I think, or I assume so far we've been good because uh, 18 people, like uh, it's, uh, like you said, it's going super fast. The culture, like to, to answer your question around the culture, the culture we had 18 months ago when we were four people in the basement is completely different than the culture we have now. Mm -hmm. And it should be. Um, and it would be uh, stupid to try to keep the same culture that we had when we were four people in the basement because that was a different platypus. Um, and the platypus we are now is a different culture. What we need to know is what is the culture now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And try to, to get the best out of the culture that we have now. Mm -hmm. And how, how are you guys going about uh, sort of measuring that culture internally or, or when you do take on a partner, when you are recruiting? Um, so we use our tool, but I don't want this to become a sales pitch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we use our tool. If anyone is interested, I'm gladly, gladly jump into a demo and discuss. But we use our tool, like, you know, uh, eat your own dog food kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and, and we very much, like, there's so many things that, that are wrong. I mean, everyone is telling you recruitment is, is broken or whatever. There's so many things that are wrong. First thing we do is like, we literally never ever do a tour on interview. Like an interview, first of all, the term in itself, like there's a reason why the police is still using this, uh, this, uh, this term. It's because normally you put yourself in a position of power versus the person. You know, it's always the company in the position of power. How can you have like, actually like a proper discussion if from the start, from the get-go, you feel that you're below? Yeah. Right. So it's a one on one. It's a chat. And we're going to have like open discussions. I think something that that works super well for us is that what I do in general is um, I'll start with you have 15 minutes to ask me whatever you want to ask me. Mm -hmm. 
you know, reverse the role, yeah. right? You ask me whatever you want. Why did I start Platypus? What do I do in my spare time and everything? Um, uh, and, and so on. This is, this is super critical and it works. Why? Because number one, the question the person is going to ask you is telling you everything you need to know about what's important to them, right? Because they want to gather information about what's important to them. Second thing is you're building trust because you're completely opening up about yourself, about what's important to you and, and, and so on. So, you know, people love to mirror. If, if I'm genuine with you, you're going to be genuine with me, right? That works super well with us. So levering, you know, leveling the playing field from the start, this is an open discussion. Uh, there might be a job at the end. Uh, there might not be a job at the end. We should just be genuine and honest because there's nothing wrong, no, sorry, nothing worse for me to hire you for the wrong reason and for you to join this company for the wrong reason. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's an incredible approach. You know, I've, I've got to be honest, we've worked in a variety of startups over the, the past years, and I don't think I've ever sort of heard it um, contextualized or approached from that direction. So that's, that's a really interesting way. Um, I guess it's, it's certainly a partly practice what you preach. Um, and but but also at the same time, it's 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 having a completely fresh point of view, or almost disrupting that standard train of thought when it comes to you know the the, the hiring the hr and, and recruitment sort of processes like this whole idea like nowadays you know this whole like culture fit mm. first of all the term is so wrong because it's very discriminatory and uh, number one number two fit i mean you fit in something that's static but culture is not static mm. mm-hmm. you could say that you're fitting in your mission statement because your mission statement is static the example i always use being you know the french person that i am is liberté égalité fraternité you know the beautiful french mm-hmm. words uh, if you ask anyone what's the french culture it's not those words that are going to come yeah. out <laughs> and you like cheese wine strike cigarette i mean and that's the difference between the mission statement and the culture right mm-hmm. so when you try to hire people for the culture fit in those mission statement that's obviously when it fails because that's not what the person is going to experience mm. obviously right so um uh things need to be um, revamped into a into a how you hire how you engage with with uh, with uh, with potential employees and, and so on there's there's a lot of lot of work to yeah. to do on this. In- a lot incredible incredible stuff so let's um let's jump topics a little bit then so let's talk a little bit about how um you know you guys develop the the brand for platypus um because of course that's part of sort of our service offering and we're very interested in exploring you know the development and understanding how uh tech startups they go about you know building their brands when they start off so so when did that become a conversation you know your branding identity your tone of voice was that straight off the start like we need to have this set in stone or was this an ongoing process 100% ongoing mm. uh, because, again, we, we don't at all have a background in this area, mm. right? So, uh, so uh, because we're now old and we've uh, failed a lot in our life, we understand that there's no point trying to fake it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like the first exercise was like, okay, what name should we have? Right, uh, and there's a lot of HR tools that, uh, that try to have like weird names on the on the, and we were like, okay, like uh, uh, we wanted something that resonates. Um, we wanted, we thought like it's HR, it's natural, it's healthy. So we were looking at at you know nature, plants, animals, and at some point I dropped the name. Uh, we were like like talking on Facebook Messenger with my uh, like dropping names with my co-founder. I think at like 8 p.m. or something. The kids were sleeping, and you know when you're like train of thoughts, like up you drop. And at some point I drop uh, platypus, ornithorynque <laughs> uh, in French for the people that want to learn the beautiful French words. And uh, and uh, awesome. my co-founder was like uh, like uh, yeah, but I mean uh, why? And I said, but if you think about it, weirdest animal one of the weirdest animal there is, right? Uh, and, and probably shouldn't exist in the first place. <laughs> but 
in the right <laughs> environment, in the right spot, it's happy, it's thriving, and it's existing. And, and it's the idea of the product. The mm. product is really about what we're building is about trying to find the good spot. So the concept is like everyone is a platypus, and it's about finding the, the right spot for you to thrive as a platypus. And then we realize as well, but that came up much later that uh, um, it's a cool name because it resonates. It's something you don't forget. Mm-hmm such a weird animal, right? Uh, it's like you, you hear Platypus 1, it will come back to you, uh, the, the name. Uh, then we thought like we really can do lots of stuff in terms of branding because it's such a cool animal. There's like so many things we can do. Then we started the little uh, tradition that everyone that comes and visits us in the office needs to draw a Platypus. So we have a Platypus wall. Uh, <laughs> oh, that a, is so cool. That's a good idea. This is super cool. Yeah. It is super. <laughs> it's not this. This is, that's not, that's like the kids. Yeah. But, um, but uh um, and, and then, you know, around like, you know, the, the, the like you said, your um, uh, company personality online and everything, uh, as I told you earlier on, I'm really, really not good at, the, at this kind of stuff. Dan is more keen on what it looks like and everything. Jeanette, um, our first employee, the UI UX designer, was the first one that started working on this, on the idea, the logo, the, 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 the picture. At the moment, the logo we have is going to change. The logo is very much the cultural map. When, when you use the product, that's the type of map you get about your company. Um, but we're getting a logo soon. Uh, and then we hired Victor, our uh, product designer, and he's the one that started like hardcore working on what, what do we want to have. Then we hired uh, Cyril that has joined us for content. Uh, so what's the voice of Platypus? But we just, like, we didn't decide from the start, that's the voice of Platypus. Mm-hmm. We talked with a lot of potential customers. Who, who do we sell to? Who do we talk for? HR and recruitment, right? And, and those two are, are very different. So we, we did a lot of interviews. Luckily, I have a big network in this in people. And when I say we, I did not because I didn't want to influence people. So Neva, our product owner, talked with a lot of HR people, lots of recruiters. What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? What's the tone of voice you like? We did like, you know, the whole exercise with the personas mm-hmm. and, and, and everything. Something that was completely new to me. Uh, super interesting process, by the way. Um, and, uh, and then now we came out with a, with a, a specific voice of, uh, uh, of Platypus. And, and the interesting part is that Platypus is absolutely not my voice. Now I'm the you know, co-founder and CEO of Platypus. I say things a certain way. Usually it's blunt and very direct because that's who I am. But Platypus as a different voice and a different persona. And that is completely fine. Absolutely. So that's, that's incredible that this was sort of a very much an internal ongoing process and it probably will evolve, you know, moving forward and it will constantly, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, that's really good. And I I suppose that fits very much um, in the same way as, uh, you know, the offering that you guys have and the culture that you guys have. Um, This is going to be, you know, adapting to the environment as and when it changes. So that's, that's really, really cool. Actually, it's, it's sort of woven in there in so many aspects of the company. Um, It's really nice. to. Another cool thing with the, I just thought about it, but like another cool thing with the name, uh, the fact that, you know, it's actually an animal is that, um, so I used to be big and keen on swag. When I worked at Unity, for instance, or Evolute, because, you know, it's just very easy to just, you know, you do lots of swag and it's great. Mm-hmm. Then I did a little bit of self-introspection on RAM. Every company is telling you that you should come in like as you are. We're all about inclusivity and diversity and everything. But the first thing we do when you come in is we're all going to dress you the same because, you know, that's the best way to do inclusivity and diversity. So I was like, maybe there's something wrong with swag actually in the first place. So we waited, you know, to do some platypus swag. Like all tech startups, they probably spend a massive chunk of money on like, 
wearing hoodies and t-shirts and everything, but we waited for this. And not because we achieved, just because I was not sure about the whole concept of swag, but I found a way, like a, a hack of doing swag without doing swag. If you go on Etsy, there's loads of t-shirts with lots of platypus on it. So every time I do content on, the, on LinkedIn with videos on LinkedIn, I have like a different t-shirt <laughs> with a platypus on it, which reminds people of platypus without it being yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really good. That's great. And you can get such a great variety of like different styles. <laughs> yes, there's so much. Well, right? Exactly. So it's really yeah, yeah, yeah. For everyone. Great. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, so earlier you had mentioned when we were talking about the, the team structures, um, you know, so underneath your ops sort of division, um, you mentioned there's a few people doing lead generation. So let's chat marketing mm -hmm. a little bit. So in terms of marketing at the moment, you said lead generation. So what, what does the, the, the current marketing activities look like? How are you guys actually driving, you know, new clients to the business, finding new uh, recruits uh, to actually, you know, fulfill those uh, clients? Yeah. <clears throat> So I think we're very much at ground uh, under zero um, uh, of this, like minus two, uh, you know, like parking lot, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of, uh, uh, because we're still discovering what's uh, what's our uh, you know ideal customer uh, and so on. Um, we're more and more um, going towards like this is a data-driven platform. So the bigger you are, the the, the more powerful it is, right? Um, but obviously, it's always harder to get or longer anyway, sales cycle-wise, to take enterprise and everything. Um, we did a first round around like uh, who do we want to target, uh, what type of organization where they're based. The two lead gen. So we have a gross Egle who joined us as a gross expert. Um, we don't have anyone yet dedicated to marketing per se, right? Um, I think it's something. I mean, I have people in mind that I would love to hire. But, uh, but it's something where I think we need to uh, um, do our proof of concept. We have a product. We have some people using the product. We want to reach a certain, you know, like a threshold of, of people using the product and then go hardcore into building a marketing engine, lead gen engine. At the moment, the lead gen is two person. We give like a, you know, an ICP uh, and they go on LinkedIn. They find the name of those companies, uh, the size of the companies, the, the person in charge, whether it's uh, recruitment or HR. And then we reach out to them on LinkedIn. And, and you know, it's a very manual uh, pipeline. Yeah. at the moment where uh, the SDR is trying to, uh, you know, like uh, mature the lead until uh, they come for uh, a demo uh, with me in face-to-face -face, and then hopefully nobody can, uh, you know, uh, reject uh, the French uh, charm <laughs> and uh, people sign and uh, that's it, you know I mean? <laughs> Beautiful. That's, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was say, that's, that's super smooth. I mean, maybe we should hire a Frenchman uh, to do ourselves right now. That's, that's really cool, man. I love that. Um, <laughs> But we we know that we need to build everything. Yeah. On on the marketing, on the branding, on the on the 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 perception, on SEO. I mean, all these very very complicated stuff. Where we again like uh, uh, we're very mature into like, hey, we don't know about this, mm -hmm. and we don't. Yeah. So at the moment, it's it's finalizing the the product number two is coming out in in few weeks in September, uh, and then like you know doing probably through my network again like some early sales and everything, getting some feedback, and then. Maybe bringing somebody inside to do marketing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wicked. Um, so sort of take, taking a step um, and looking at the future then, we understand, you know, you guys are in a, this constantly evolving, um, I guess, environment. You know, the, the brand is constantly evolving. The culture is constantly evolving. You guys are figuring out it's only 18 months in. No, how do you actually... Um, develop this foundation to achieve massive scale, massive growth and, and grow the company beyond you've taken on investment is an incredible situation to be in um, or position to be in. So looking at, you know, scaling and roadmap for the future, um, what, mm -hmm. what does that look like for you guys over at Platypus? How are you going to approach that? So say A 
target is Q3, Q4 next year, probably Q4, mm -hmm. um, because you know the world is burning and stuff. Um, so uh, Q4 next year, say yeah, we will. We're 18 people. I assume that we're probably gonna will probably be 25 people when we do the Serie A, right? Um, the Serie A, we have a number in mind. We would love to um, to raise uh, 15 million euro. Um, and um, and that basically is the one where like we know the product works, we know people want to buy it. It's like okay, now we need to you know scale, like you said. Like, uh, can we take this little operation and what if we make this operation much bigger? Then the sales go much bigger. There'll be obviously some trial and error. There'll be obviously opening offices outside of Copenhagen to uh, target uh, different uh, markets. Um, that's the way we look at it. We're we're again lucky enough, Dan and I, that uh, that we've done this and and we've seen this internally successfully at Trustpilot, at Falcon. Um, so I'm not saying we know the perfect recipe, but at least there's some stuff we know of not to do because it failed in a, in a, you know a similar organization when when we've seen Dan and I when we joined Trustpilot. Uh, Eight years back, um, it was thirty people in Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and when we left Trustpilot, it was three hundred and fifty people <laughs> in Copenhagen, New York, Berlin, and London. So, um, we've seen what can be done, not be done. Um, and again, like there's no perfect recipe, but at least you've learned some of the stuff not to do. Yeah. Some of the mistakes you don't want to replicate, right? Yeah. Um, I think the scaling as well uh, is a lot around the. Uh, what I see too many startups doing in terms of mistake is like giving big titles very early to early people coming in the organization and then being stuck with those big titles that, you know, like, oh, God, yeah, we have a VP, but you guys are 16. Yeah, but we have a VP. <laughs> right? I mean, like, what, what's happening in next round and next round? Because basically what you're doing right now is giving, putting a target in the back of somebody. Mm -hmm. Because being a VP in a company of 16 people, that means doesn't make any sense, right? We're not big on titles here. We like we like it, you know, flat and everything. And if you're title driven, then you're probably not in the right organization. Mm -hmm. So I think scaling it, you really need you need to start your mindset of scaling now, mm -hmm. like when you're already 15 people. Like if you don't have the right process mindset, organization mindset of where do you want to be when you're 150, you're not going to catch back. The, the same the same goes with uh, diversity you know diversity within your organization we're 50% men 50% women and we know from the start that it's something that if you don't work on it from day one when you start growing your organization you're never going to catch back okay you won't yeah right um so so i think scaling what does it look like it's it's what we do now but bigger and faster yeah brilliant um so I mean, we've mentioned, you know, you guys are in this incredible position. Um, so before we, we sort of wrap up the conversation, um, could you like look back retrospectively over the, the past, I guess, 18 months um, from when you guys really sort of actually founded this company and came up with the idea with your co-founders um, to now? And, and, you know, what words of advice could you give for anyone that's, that's about to go on this journey themselves or is currently, you know, in the trenches doing the same thing? Yeah. Um... I think what we did, uh, what we did well is very, very, very early. Uh, we tried to talk with investors yeah. very, very early. Like uh, we had, uh, and, and again, we're, we're lucky and we know we're privileged that uh, because we've worked in so many startups, we have easier connection uh, to, to some people working VCs and everything. But having early feedback uh, uh, around like, uh, yes, potentially that works. No, potentially that doesn't work. That's, that's like, it's never too early to discuss with VCs. That's something I've learned. Mm -hmm. It's never, never too early to be introduced. Even if it's like, oh, yeah, we only do say, yeah, talk to them. Yeah. Never too early. Second thing is um, uh, if you keep on hearing no, uh, I know there's the beautiful story of Starbucks when he heard no like uh, 60,000 times before. <laughs> no, but at the end, yeah, but that's one story, yeah. right? If you keep on hearing no, at some point, maybe, maybe people are right and you're wrong. Mm 
and 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 there's nothing wrong with being wrong. There's nothing wrong with failure. Not every startup is going to make it as big and everything. We know that the stage we're at, you know, the, the seed stage to say, yeah, I think there's 75% of companies that die. There's a big, yeah. big chance for us not to be here in, in 12 months time, right? And, and I think it's about being aware of this, self-aware of this. That doesn't mean you need to shit yourself all the time and be stressed all the time, but it's just be aware of it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's more chance that it's going to fail than it's not going to fail. Another thing that uh, a tip that I would uh, give is that a lot of people, when we're raising our first round, the first round is super hard to raise. It gets easier to raise money because then you have more stuff to show, of course. But the first round is always super hard because they're 100% betting on you and your idea, right? And it's 100% on your CV, your background, your, your reputation. And if you're not, um, let's say like, you know, with my HR and recruitment background, and I was like, yeah, I want to build a SaaS product in, uh, in construction, they would have looked yeah, great. But it's, it needs to be a like a founder's fit, founder market's fit, right? That's that's it's otherwise they're not gonna give you money. Yeah. It's as simple as this. Um the other thing is um a lot of investors they tell you like have you asked friends and family to get you know money to kickstart you and everything? I didn't believe it was a good idea. Um because uh, again, you like especially at pre-seed round, you're so early in the stage that there's probably 90% chance, 95% chance you're going to burn. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? And are you really ready to burn that relationship with that person? Because they're going to give you money thinking that it's going to be successful and you're going to sell it to them like it's going to be successful and it probably won't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to do this, right? Uh, um, well, I did tell my wife we're going to burn all the personal uh, savings, but that's a different story altogether. We're already married, you know, so like it's, uh, it's different. But um, uh, the other thing uh, I would suggest is like... Uh, it's a little bit like Zelda, you know, like uh, when uh, the first Zelda, when uh, he goes and uh, finds the sword, it's like, uh, take this, don't go alone. It's dangerous out there. Don't do alone. Like it's uh, like uh, two or three, um, like uh, like being alone founder. I mean, I know some of them. Peter Mulman from Trustpilot has done it. But again, it's like, it's it's so rare. Yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's really already it's difficult when you're two or three. So I can't even imagine doing it alone. Um, and then the last piece of advice I would give is that you really need people that are strong and supportive outside of the network of the startup because you cannot be successful without your friends and family being around you to, to support you. I think, uh, uh, as I said, like, you know, I'm, I'm 40, so I started this when I was 39. I'm married. I have two kids, two young kids. My daughter is five. My son is three. If I didn't have an amazing relationship with my wife and she was not strong and supportive, this would be fucked. Yeah. Uh, if I didn't have my family and friends around me to, uh, to uh, uh, help and support and be there and just sometimes like, you know, hearing and listening, like, uh, um, um, because you know there's something extremely toxic around this uh, the founder always needs to be so strong and powerful and always confident and everything and I, I don't think that's that's healthy at all mm. I think it's very healthy to say like you know what it's been super hard there's been moments where I doubted I questioned there was moments where I was ready to like uh, should we you know like uh, uh, maybe like put the, put the house on like in the bank and everything and that's where you need people outside of this that tell you like okay you need to take a step back and you need to realize that there's, there's a life outside of your startup. Your life doesn't stop after the startup. So it's the very thin line around like, I need to be 100% committed, 150% committed and believe in it. But at the same time, I need to be aware that this might not be. And it's okay if it's not me. So a huge thank you to Platypus for speaking to us. You can find them online at platypus.io. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop.
on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.